Hey, Greg, how come I can't get Audible to actually fucking work? Like, I can subscribe to the podcast, but it won't let me download or play anything, and I don't understand why. Good. A world ravaged by yuppies and garbage pail kids. A time when the rhythm was gonna get you. See? Just playing for me. Uh, what are you doing? The recording, give me five... What did, what did you hit to get it to play on Audible? Uh, the big button that said play. Well, I hit that, and then it doesn't do anything. And see, I have, I don't know if you can see it, but you see I've got the little download icon, and none of them will download. I don't know. That's That sounds like an, uh, a phone situation, or a, an Audible app situation. Hmm. Stupid. Audible. I'm just kidding. I love you, Audible. This riveting conversation is, in fact, part of the Give Me Five podcast, episode 190, Side B. Uh, which one of us is going to pop in periodically and talk about vaginas that are too big? Omar. Okay. This is the Give Me Five podcast, a bi-weekly podcast reviewing the things you love today and the things you loved in the summer of 1987. My name is Dutch McCheese, and I'm joined by Grimace Dylan. Got your happy box, happy box, (laughs) happy meal box right here. (laughs) And the Hamburglar. I can't. Happy box? Like, come on. <laughs> come on. Give me a robble robble. <laughs> Every time you do that, I can't do it either. I'm fucking falling apart over here. Okay. Give me your motherfucking burger now. How about that? <laughs> that was the early marketing campaign. <laughs> that the, that uh, did not have legs and they kind of scrapped that. It, it tested poorly. <laughs> yeah. Did not do well. The children were crying. We thought it was the clown, but it's not the clown. It's the scary guy. The kindergarten in a mask. Yeah. <laughs> this is a side B episode, and this week we are going to talk about 1987's Predator. That's the guy that goes out on dates before he goes out on dates. <laughs> and of course, we'll answer our "Give Me Five Question of the Week." Why do we do this? <laughs> To ourselves. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, I'm excited about this. It's funny because you you joked about the predator and all that stuff, and I keep on getting job emails uh, in the mail, and one of them is for a pre-editor for a hmm. like a video company, a TV company, or a movie, whatever. Like basically getting the going through and labeling everything and making sure that all the clips are there and all that stuff. But it, it reads like the job email is for a predator, even though it's spelled wrong. But is it though? It, every time I, 
yeah, it's both an eye, but it just makes me laugh every time I get it. I'm like, ooh, I, I want to be a predator. <laughs> yeah, I think I would I would like to hunt people for sport. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's, I'm surprised that they have been had such a hard time filling that job. Well, they just aren't marketing it correctly. That's probably yeah, right. the reason. Yeah, because there'd be a lot of people that would apply for that. For sure. Yeah. Um, quick thing. This is a review show. I kind of feel like this is kind of a silly thing to say at this point, but there may be spoilers. This movie came out in 1987, so I, I, I've said it before. I don't feel bad spoiling this. Um, we're going to try to avoid major twists. Uh, this one actually doesn't really have a major twist, I don't think. I mean, I don't see it. I don't see anything as a major twist. Um, if you know, if you haven't seen it by now, like you know, there's nothing we can do for you. Um, you can join our Patreon, and then you can know the movie ahead of time, and nothing will be spoiled because you'll get a chance to watch it six or seven times, like I do, for reasons only I understand. That's a, that's a good selling point. I like that. There you go. Good work. And we do, and that shortens the episode because we don't have to talk about the Patreon because you just did. <laughs> Patreon.com slash give me five podcast. Uh, <laughs> so, Rob, tell us about Predator. Well, Predator was released June 12th of 1987. Directed by John McTiernan. Stars Arnold Schwarzenegger, Carl Weathers, Kevin Peter Hall, Alpita Carrillo, Bill Duke, Jesse Ventura, Sonny Landham, Richard Chavez, R.G. Armstrong, and Shane Black. And the the short and sweet version, or the short and sweet synopsis of the film is a team of commandos on a mission in, cent- in a Central American jungle find themselves hunted by an extraterrestrial warrior. Now, just to your guys out there are clear this is the 1987 which we've said three times now version of predator not the crappy one from two years ago yes and not the other crappy one from i don't know 90 something wait which one was the crappy one from two years ago predator wait is that predators or the the predators was predators was actually decent that was the one on the other planet or whatever right yeah this yeah, is no, the, predator, the the, the one predator. that was like two yeah. years ago, yeah, yeah, and it was ungood. I didn't see that one. I did see it, and I still didn't see it. <laughs> I did not see it. Okay. But now what did you think clear. about 1987's Predator? Classic. Okay, that's yeah, one word there. Um, it, I was good. I was going to say it really is, because it's got just about everything you need. I mean, it, action, check. You got that. Sci-fi, you're damn right, because you got the Predator. You know, you got jungle warfare. You got explosions. Uh, there are still parts that I'm not sure where the explosions came from. But. You also have a big, muscly former governor and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm-hmm. So there's yeah. two amazing. <laughs> two big, muscly Two big, muscly. Oh, that's right. Okay, I was talking about Jesse Ventura, but whatever. You can take it in a... Yeah, but Arnold was governor, too. (laughs) I know. I was just kidding. (laughs) But, I mean, in my opinion, this movie still holds up. I I really think that this is still a decent film. It's it's a good watch. And although I'm I'm pretty sure that mud does not hide your body heat. We'll get to that. I agree. Now, here's my thought of this movie. One of the reasons why I do think this movie has it all, and I really wish I could go back to a time 
where I knew nothing about this movie mm-hmm. going into it. Because how cool would it be? Because, like, there was a lot of Vietnam movies. There was a lot of movies like Commando or movies with, you know, former soldiers from, from the Vietnam Rambo. era. Yeah, Rambo going into the woods to get revenge or to to rescue people or whatever. And then or this one takes the, to go into the backyard of the director that's supposed to be China. <laughs> was that uh, what, what movie was that? That was, was that Velociraptor? No, that was Velocipaster. Uh, yeah. Well, you have all of these like tropes, these like Vietnam War movie tropes or Central American War movie tropes, whatever. And then they throw this twist in there. And how cool would it have been if you just didn't know what was happening until you get to the point where you actually see the predator like and now you know that back then they couldn't do that in the marketing like they had to reveal something in the marketing or else people were just gonna be like oh, okay it's just a another action movie right but i just was th- kind of watching it and i was like man this and i was just in my head i'm like okay still don't know the 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 soldiers still don't know what's going on soldiers still don't know what's going on well there's like a, a twist kind of cia operative thing Still don't know. And then all of a sudden they start figuring it out. And you're like, man, this movie would have been so cool with that type of, like, mystery attached to it, I guess. So that that was my thought, having seen the movie a million times before watching it again two nights ago. So that's what I have to say about this. Yeah, and and like I said, I mean, I really think that this movie holds up. I mean, it's, it's, it's still believable. The special effects aren't anything too um, outlandish, I guess. But they do a good and job. Even, yeah, even even the special effects where they have the predator uh, morph into the uh, background, you know, the the predator camouflage is actually still decent. I mean, yeah, it's it's a little dated, but since they're not doing too much with it, other than just removing the predator from the scene, it it works. No, it looks great. It looks great. It's. You know, there's, if anything, really the big issue would be it's just not as smooth as it would be if they were able to, you know, add a little bit of a blur to it. Because right. it was all probably done a little more practically or with very simple computer. But Well, they did it with camera tricks from what I understand. Oh, did they? That's cool. Yeah. They, it was it was something where they had the they had the actor wear a, a distinct color. It was a red suit. And like a complete red suit, and they filmed it on one, and then they widened the shot and overlaid that, and then laid them together and took out the red, so that the second shot, the the wider shot, like um, somehow they got the film, you know, with um without the guy there, and they kind of overlaid them so it looked like, you know, he was there but he wasn't there, and that's cool. That's yeah. makes sense. It's actually kind. Of, I mean. What you're describing is a lot of how they did uh, color in newspaper, like Amberlith, where they would, you know, certain when they transfer the prints and stuff, uh, the red wasn't seen. But very cool. Right. It's it's a neat effect. Um, And, yeah, this movie is uh, one of the better practical effects movies, like you said. Definitely one of the better costume movies. I think we actually did a a Gimme Five many uh, about a year ago or so about best uh, costumes, like monster mm-hmm. costumes. And I think the Predator was up there in possibly number ones for a lot of us. I want to say it was, but I'm not 100% certain. Yeah. 
which uh, based on the other predator suit that I've seen and is posted on our Instagram page right now, by the way, uh, you can see if you guys want to go look how bad the original predator suit was. It looks like a, a rat beetle. Mm. And not yeah. and not well, the eighties band and sixties band. And and interestingly enough, the suit itself actually weighed like two hundred pounds. And the the guy that they got to play the Predator, uh, Kevin Peter Hall, was actually seven foot two and he was he was a fairly decently built guy. And for him to move in the suit and have it look believable they had to hook him up to a bungee rig just to just to just so he could manipulate the suit because, like I said, it was just so heavy. Well, that makes sense at that with that size and weight of a suit. I mean, two hundred pound suit—that's huge. But but it does look. I never really realized it until watching this movie again because I I didn't again I didn't realize that how 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 long it had been since I've seen this movie, but um. It's really, really well done. I agree with you guys completely that it, I mean, it really holds up. Like everything about the effects in the suit and, you know, some of the stuff of the, some of the other details of the movie are a bit of an 80s trope type thing, but um, it's great. Like I, it really is a classic. Like it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, but but even like the the predator's blood, I mean, that was a total practical effect as well. I mean, they just mixed uh, the inside guts of glow sticks with KY jelly, and they used that, and it glowed. And you know, they didn't have to do any kind of like computer enhancement or anything. They just used that, and it worked. Yeah, but but even like the the predator's blood, I mean, that was a total practical effect as well. I mean, they just mixed uh, the inside guts of glow sticks with KY jelly, and they used that, and it glowed. And you know, they didn't have to do any kind of like computer enhancement or anything. They just used that, and it worked. That's funny. That's how uh, Omar gets uh, hooks up with people at raves. And he just walks around. Whoa! Yeah, what that. just happened there? The mic fell. <laughs> the mic fell. <laughs> His, oh he, it, it slipped. It slipped I, out I of his hand because of the KY, KY jelly. And things went haywire in here. Sorry about that. And the mic got excited. <laughs> it passed uh, out. Oh. I am. I am going to stop real quick, just because of I want to make sure that it's not recording that lag that we're hearing on Omar's voice. Okay. Because I really don't. You know, the one thing I didn't remember about this movie was the opening. I totally forgot that there was actually like a spaceship involved in the opening. I was just going to say that. Totally forgot about it. Yeah. And I don't think it was actually necessary. Like, I kind of just would have liked the suspense. Like, just like I said, you know, think going back in time pre-marketing, pre-internet, pre-all this stuff, and you just get these dudes in the woods 
killing random guerrilla fighters. And then all of a sudden, something kills them and you don't know what it is. Like, I kind of think it would have been better without that opening sequence. I agree. We, we I mean, don't I don't know it. that it... I don't know. I don't know that it hurt anything, though. I mean, I, yeah, I don't think you needed it, but I don't know that it damaged anything, or or hurt the overall product by having it there. No, no, no. It definitely, it didn't hurt. It just wasn't. It wasn't necessary. And I think I would have preferred it not. Like again, I'm bra- I'm brain wiping myself. I'm men in blacking myself, and I don't know anything about this movie. I would love it to be. You know, if they were going to show a spaceship, show one crashed later on, or like a pod or whatever that thing was. Um, they also, of course, then jump from that to uh, just a lot of military stuff. Like, you know, they they do the uh, this whole like you know, helicopter landing and just military guys being manly and whatever, and they're all get out and they're all geared up and then. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger hops off and he's wearing like a red polo at this like yeah. beachhead. <laughs> I thought was really interesting because this was back in the time where you know, if you wanted to have a, a beach sequence with a bunch of helicopters and tanks and landing craft and soldiers and all that stuff, they weren't CG. You were bringing them there. And this movie didn't have a huge budget. So it was that, you know, they probably had to borrow it from some military. But, um, you know, it was a very interesting decision to make Arnold Schwarzenegger, also known as Dutch, where it looked like he was going golfing. <laughs> and, of course, yeah. And, of course, chewing on a uh, cigar as well. You know, cigars were uh, eventually kind of had their day, especially with, with Schwarzenegger. He was always on the cover of, like, Cigar Aficionado, but that was much, much later. He, he actually got um, Carl Weathers hooked on cigars during the filming of this. Because oh, really? Carl, Weather, Carl Weathers had never smoked before, and and Arnold basically introduced him to cigars and then gave him an entire box of cigars, and Carl started smoking them because of that. Did you notice what they did when they got out of the helicopter? No. They, they, got in, they got into some Jeeps or whatever. And drove and across the beach. I'm like, why and all they did was go to the other side of the beach. Like when <laughs> when they landed in the <laughs> helicopter, when they landed in the helicopter, you could see like in the background there was like a whatever, like on the other, just like down the beach. All they did was get a ride. It was like a That's funny. it was like a three minute drive that they didn't have to do. But then I re- then like watching like I saw like other helicopters landing so close to the water that I thought the tail of the helicopter was going to hit the water. So I guess if they walked to the other side where they meet, where Carl Weathers shows up, they would have gotten their heads chopped off by the helicopter blades because it was so close to the water. But they didn't need the ride. Like, it was like, everything was in viewing distance. Like, it was all it was all part of the same... It, it, I just thought that was funny. I never, I, I never caught that before. It was a completely unnecessary ride. That should have been our top five. Top five <laughs> unnecessary rides. Yeah. Uh, also, also the whole uh, the whole soundtrack is total like '80s. That like I don't even know what it's called. That like military fanfare with the like drum beat thing. Mm-hmm. The stuff they and I, they did it in a movie we watched recently. Oh, they did it. I think in the movie we watched last week, the Hard Ticket to Hawaii. Um, and this and like you hear that the piccolo or whatever the hell it is and the drums and whatever and it's like ah oh, this is totally a military movie from the 80s it's like except stripes. when they're when they're flying into the jungle 
it's like uh, awesome. It's awesome, and it's a it's um it's like a Little Richard song. Yeah, something. it's uh, Little Richard, uh, Long Tall Sally. Right, but that goes back to my whole thing about like how the '80s, like a big influence in the '80s was stuff from the '50s. Yeah, like that's just another example. I don't. I, it was just cool to be '50s. Or to have a yep. 50s thing in the 80s. And it wasn't even it's like 14. It's usually it's like 30 years, isn't it? Doesn't it go on like 30 yeah, years? Yeah, we were talking about that. Like 20 to 30 years is like the... That's the yeah. throwback. Any, so anything right now we're getting a resurgence of 90s shit. Yeah, we are. Actually, well, last yes. episode we talked about Seinfeld. And there was just a Friends reunion. Yep. I saw and, I'm wearing, and I'm wearing flannel underwear. <laughs> oh. I'm not wearing You're any. always wearing Wait, flannel. It's true. I would. I love flannel. I saw a kid the other day with a Nirvana shirt on. That's awesome. I just like, bought a Nirvana shirt the other day. Yeah. Uh, okay, so this also does another thing that action movies from the '80s and other movies do. The it was done in Star Wars. It was done in Aliens. The old friends seeing each other and immediately calling each other a son of a bitch, mm-hmm. <laughs> like and like mocking each other. <laughs> yeah, but. But it it does the job because it lets you know that they're acquainted with each other and they're familiar. They're familiar enough to joke and mess around. But you also you also get the impression from this scene that they're kind of rivals as well. Mm-hmm. Well, they do the handshake with the giant biceps, and then mm-hmm. yeah. they sort of it becomes a competition. Competition of like it becomes like a like a mid air. Uh, arm wrestling thing and then you and then that becomes the oh you got me buddy uh, and then they hug and it's like a whole thing <laughs> yeah, you're, working, yeah. you're, you're working out by yeah. pushing pencils yeah exactly uh, yeah yeah and, uh, 80s government is, jokes and there's no and there's no <laughs> doubt in anybody's mind at this point that Carl Weathers is a bad guy you know he's gonna be the snake um yes that's fair, because he's immediately like CIA or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Isn't it? it was CIA, right? If I recall correctly. Yeah, yeah. Right. And it's it's that is really interesting too that they have that because it's a very straightforward movie. Mm-hmm. You mentioned early on twists, things like that, but there needs to be that additional level. There needs to be that snake, so because like the three of us aren't going to relate to a bunch of mercenaries that are ripped and flying around in a helicopter and have gone through some shit. I don't know. In like no regular movie. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I mean, that's what I would say. I mean, currently I'm, my microphone is resting on my left pectoral muscle. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That's, I believe that's called your move. Oh yeah. My Swiss cake roll move. So they need that extra thing so that you, you know, you do sympathize with these people that are technically paid mercenaries that have, obviously killed people in the past and it's just that one little kind of connection like oh don't trust the government okay cool and that was such an 80s thing because of watergate and all that and vietnam and all that stuff and that's why they put that stuff in there um the other thing is we start getting introduced to these other soldiers and they get really like right into it um you know there's uh, you get you meet jesse ventura who's uh He's what is it? He's Blaine, right? I forgot. The yes. Name. Yes. Yeah, I think he's Blaine. All I remember and is he, Mac, which I'll get to in a minute. And he is. Uh, he drops a line that I love. Well, part of it I love. 
where he's referring to being a sexual Tyrannosaurus. Yes. Which. <laughs> the chewing tobacco. I, yeah, you, he's trying to give chewing tobacco to all these people, and they're like, no, 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 no. And he's like, this stuff will make you a sexual Tyrannosaurus. Uh, he also drops the oft-mentioned F-word uh, F from 80s movies. Mm -hmm. um, which, eh, no need to say. I feel no need to say it. It's weird that I'll say fuck all day, but. For some reason that one I won't because it's just it's like so out of favor these days. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's just so funny that like it's just like right there, right at the beginning. This is my character trait, I'm gonna say that, and you know, that makes him the cool guy back then. And but yeah, then he drops the sexual Tyrannosaurus where uh that's my new nickname. I've decided. Yep. Yeah, but all I thought about is somebody trying to have sex but they can't reach the <laughs> 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 I was like, that's not that badass, man. I, I, you're, <laughs> someone, am I, is that, bad? Is that with someone with very small arms trying to yeah, look up? Yeah, I can't reach my they're, they're, baby. Yeah, yeah, exactly. She's hot, but if I could just reach her, like, <laughs> like uh, I said, that's that's my new nickname. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, just me. That's where my and if, and then they have uh, he may not be able to reach her, but he can definitely eat her. Oh shit. <laughs> And then there's the other guy whose like big thing seems to be uh, vagina jokes, which is not the word he uses. Yeah, really <laughs> Large bad vagina. vagina jokes too. Yeah, he's like, oh, it's her. I don't know why I'm, I'm hesitating on these various swear words, but I just am. Uh, it's so big that whatever, blah blah blah. It's big as a house, you know, like this stuff. And I'm like, he's like the epitome of like the nerdy guy trying to fit in. Right. And he has like those giant '80s glasses, and you're like, yeah, this guy, he's gonna die. <laughs> like oh yeah, he's, he's and I can't wait for it. Big as a house, big as a house, and then he has to explain the joke. Yeah. <laughs> why like, did why did you ha why did you say it twice? And I said I didn't. I didn't. That was, get it? That was the huh? echo because of the echo. And then the other big guy starts laughing like a minute later. <laughs> Please, predator, kill him now before he tells another one. Kill that guy. Yeah, watching for if you just if that that guy was the hero of the movie, the predator would actually be like the predator would be the hero of the movie if you've got the chance. The predator to would that be dude. the good guy, yes. Yeah, uh, I guess what they're gonna do is there's a helicopter that was shot down, and they have to go rescue uh, Schwarzenegger, aka Dutch, is like this is not an assassination mission; it's a rescue mission. They're gonna go pick up these people, which I think he knew was his friends at the or people that he had. Compa you know, yeah, people he, he, people he was familiar with, yes. Yeah, at this point, before they even found it. Um, so they're going to go off into the woods. And... Well, actually, actually, no, they lied to him. This that, that I forgot. They, they actually lied to him to get him to go on the mission. They didn't tell him that they had sent another team out there. They told him it was diplomats that the helicopter went down. Correct. And that they needed somebody to go in and get him out. That's what it was, yeah. And, and then, then it wasn't every... until they got there and found out that his the guy that he knew's team was there and they'd all been, you know, brutally murdered. You, well, yeah, so, yep. It seems like at every step step of the game, like at every stage of their of their um, mission, um, they Dutch's team learned something new that was like hidden that was kept from them. Mm -hmm. Right? Does that make sense? Yeah. Like they weren't told, they weren't totally forthright right from the beginning. And that's that's the CIA bad guy. Exactly. 
so just pushing along, like I said, it's a pretty straightforward movie. There's not going to be too many surprises here. So they find the helicopter. Uh, it's they and they find. They, I think they find the helicopter first. They climb up. There's two dead dudes in the cockpit having been shot in the head. Uh, and then they also very soon thereafter find. Uh, let's see, find some uh, flayed bodies, as Rob said. Just like, and they look great, man. Right, yeah. these like upside down bodies, just like blood dripping, and like I remember that shocking me as the as a kid. I I thought that it when I was a kid, I thought that it was just bodies covered in blood. I didn't even think about the fact that they were like skinned. Yeah, I was eating like lasagna or something the other day when I watched that. That didn't <laughs> turn out well. That was like I'm not even joking. I wish I was. That made me sick. That would not have bothered me in this life. Uh, well, yeah, but we have very different jobs. Uh, fair enough (laughs) yes it'd be a a little bad if Omar was flaying people in his (laughs) class (laughs) you gotta do your homework don't get me fucking started have you ever helped have you ever helped someone that was completely 100% flayed alive I have not I I have not Ah. but a burn unit is pretty much like yeah, Ooh. that's true. That got not fun anymore. Yeah, that that all but of a sudden got that, really dark and real. Yeah, but that that being said, you know, you can always dream to get that flayed person. Be like, that's right. I I angered a Lannister or uh, whatever, <laughs> <laughs> whatever that family was. Um, so the, uh, yeah, I uh, just Boltons. Yeah, there you go. I, I angered a Bolton. Uh, the Michael the... Boltons. <laughs> I really it, it honestly those bodies just hanging there totally reminded me of Halloween Horror Nights and I was like yeah I missed that yeah um, it, it, me too I thought the same thing like pushing through that I was like it, like my first thought was like man this would make a, actually kind of a fun Halloween uh, Halloween Horror Nights house uh, yeah. they do of course show the this is where you kind of start seeing the first like Predator Vision little shot and as they're kind of wandering wandering through the forest yeah and they show the heat the heat signature thing and i i believe it was 50 did you look up the budget for this i did not okay so i think it was 15 million i might be wrong but when you have a 15 million dollar budget you're not going to be able to show all of the stuff you want to show that's what why jaws is genius so showing that the thing is out there by showing what he's seeing as everyone makes showing. everyone yeah. makes the connection, and you're not lugging a dude in a costume up to the top of some trees. Right, to get the shot, which is, I think, it's a really good idea. And it, it kind of spelled out the, the language for how you know if the predator is staring at you because you can see through his eyes, mm-hmm. or his screens, or mask, or whatever. And and it also gives the impression that he's stalking. Yeah. And and I think it actually does a better job of giving the impression that he's stalking them as opposed to showing him stalking them. Yeah. Agreed. I agree. There's no there's no um there's no ambiguity to the fact that he's like watching them from above. Mm-hmm. Like you're it's very clear and it's it's very, very well done. And that's another one of the by the way, that's another one of the um special effects that really, really works in this movie. Mm-hmm. it's really I mean this one isn't as as I guess complex it's just like their heat or whatever 
but it mm-hmm. it's awesome. Like it really is badass. Like it holds up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so now we know someone's stalking them. They're pissed because they think that it was a bunch of like not natives but guerrilla fighters that killed all their buddies or some right. of their buddies. Uh, and we also get introduced to another kind of '80s trope: the uh, Native American tracker. Who yeah. knows a who knows a whole lot about stuff? And he's like, "Oh, there's this many people, and they were wearing these type of boots, and this one had halitosis, and like, like all you do was one, smell a leaf. How did you get that? Yeah, from? that one had an argument with his wife five days ago before getting on the helicopter. This one had two uh, kids at home. Yeah, it's like, damn, and and again." I might be stuck in the eighties here. Uh, it when I as soon as I saw that dude, the tracker, the Native American tracker, I was like, man, I hope they do a GI Joe classified toy of Spirit and oh. Freedom, the Eagle. He's but, and he's I, one of the ones that I've wanted. Yep. Because I never had that smaller toy. I never. It was always sold out. But man, was he cool. I forgot about uh, Spirit. Yeah. Can't forget about any GI Joe guys on the Give Me Five podcast because we will remind you. And Rob will uh, kick your ass. <laughs> right? But no, it's just like the, the idea of a tracker, like, that's cool. Like, you know, when people say they're going to, like, when I retire, I'm going to just go lay on the beach. And, like, when I retire, I want to learn how to be a tracker. That'd be fun. Like, I know there's no, like, actual use for it in, like, my real world, but it'd be kind of a cool thing to well, learn. Well, it involves picking up animal scat and putting it in your mouth to see how old it is. <laughs> and? Wait, that's for tracking? <laughs> Greg's like, I already do that. I may as well learn how to track. <laughs> let's talk Let's talk more about some of Matt's uh, jobs from the previous episode. <laughs> uh, this is a scat taste tester. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no judgment. This is a judgment-free <laughs> podcast. That ra- Chomp, chomp, chomp. That <laughs> raccoon has liver problems. <laughs> If you guys are listening to, if you guys are just Predator fans and listening to this and you're very confused, uh, check out uh, 190 side A, and that'll make and sense. And it will all make sense. <laughs> no, it won't. No, it won't. <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah. So we got, um, we're, let's see, so they decide to, uh, they, they're going to cut down the skin dudes. They actually kick a vulture at this point. They do, and I was of... like, was the ASPCA in on this one? Because <laughs> that looked like a real vulture. It was a real vulture. Yeah, this is pre-PETA, uh, okay? There's no... Yeah, like, they were like... The like, I was convinced that at the end of the credits, it would be like, no animals were harmed in the making of this film, except for vultures, because those things are ugly. <laughs> fuck them. Because who the fuck cares? Yeah. And there was no ASBCA certification at the end of it. Yeah. This movie is the reason that, the, that PETA got mad at the Faith No More video with the goldfish. Because... Right? Because <laughs> they... Yeah, they were so agitated by this movie. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everything yeah. else, every little thing after that was a problem. <laughs> so let's see. Um, I'm trying. I'm reading my notes, and I don't know why I wrote this. I could, I could do some. I don't know. I would. <laughs> oh, I would love to know nothing about this. <laughs> I don't know why I wrote that. <laughs> About which because, you, because you're seeing the predator and you, you've already known that the that the alien landed. Oh, not... that's why it was. Yes, 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 yeah. yes. Okay, thank you, thank you. Wow, you know my brain more than I do. That's weird. I'm uh, in your head. 
that It'll freaks me out. Free in your head. Okay, so now <laughs> we're going to get into the attacking of the camp scenario here. Straight up Rambo. They gather the guns. They've got mini guns and they go in and just obliterate these fuckers. Right? And like it was really like I'm so used to action movies these days being Marvel action movies, Star Wars action movies. Uh even John Wick has like shots but like there's a lot of fist fighting first and stuff like that. Like just seeing mm-hmm. people get ripped to shreds by a minigun was like, wow, I haven't seen that in a long time. <laughs> it was so visceral. And I love well, that's one of the memorable things about this movie. Yeah. Is that fucking gun. That thing's awesome. Like dudes on fire falling. And they they actually had to alter the gun a little bit because it, it was it was the type of gun that was actually mounted on the side of the helicopters. They had to slow the uh the barrel rotation by about down to like a third of its normal speed so that they could actually catch the spinning on film. And oh, um and Jesse Ventura was saying that it was it was like holding a a um it was like shooting a chainsaw, he said. Huh. Wow. Just, yeah. Just... He actually had a um, explosions. Good. Th- it was it was an electric motor, I think, and there was the cord was actually hidden down the front of Jesse's pen. I'll bet it was. Well, yeah. I like I I think it's the scene right. Oh, gosh, I think it was after the right after this when they're like. Um... You know, Schwarzenegger gives the the command like you know, fan out five meters or whatever, and and totally silent. And then the very next, it cuts to like that minigun, and then you hear the loudest click on earth, <laughs> <laughs> like when they're like putting like the bullets in, and you're like, you're like, and you're like, I thought you were supposed to be silent. Like every motherfucker on earth knows where you are right now. Like <laughs> that's the opposite of what I asked you for. Yeah. But it's a badass gun. It's a great... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. There's a, a cool little cool little trick where uh, Schwarzenegger, you know, like, pushes a car with a bomb on it into the group before they attack, and there's just... There's people on fire now. My my other thought here was... What well, about the did host- you... Did you Good. see what was up with the car? Because I actually... I was like, damn, that's kind of ingenious. Oh, they were using, was... using it to get water. They were using like it the... as a motor. Yeah, but that's that was my question: is what what were they doing with it? They had like that belt attached to the back tire. Yeah, well, but they had like the pump. they had the car they had the back of the car elevated up on basically blocks, and they had the uh, tire taken off so that the belt could just attach to the um, to the actual Generator. wheel and and be spun around that way. So the belt was attached to the wheel, and then was attached to the motor that they were using to pump the water. And they just had the car on and had it stuck in drive, so that the wheel was spinning and thus spinning the the belt. Right, but that's what the thing is. That so it was attached to a a water pump. Yes. Like I'm watching the scene, thinking, "What the? What am I? What am I looking at?" Okay, I do remember the thing with the water coming out, but then he it was a, it was a cool little idea. Yeah. But then but then my my next thought was as he's as he's pushing the car down and it's it's tearing across the soft the soft dirt of the for, of the jungle floor. I'm like that car wouldn't go anywhere. No, because there was no tire. It would it would just dig into the dirt and spin there. Because without without the tires on the back end that's pushing it, it would just dig into the dirt. Exactly. My, my thought at this point is they were just randomly blowing up stuff and shooting stuff is what about the hostages? <laughs> like, do they do they know where the hostages are at this point? This is an '80s movie. They know where all the hostages are, and they're they don't 
they don't miss. Right? <laughs> they don't they also don't get shot at until until the predator does. Yeah, exactly. My thought was the this grenade, is an eighties movie. The grenade shrapnel. Right. This is an eighties movie. It doesn't matter where the hostages are. <laughs> <laughs> like, who cares? It will get done. They're gonna get the job done. And my other thought about that was like that's how badass he is because they even show like when he puts the bomb in the back of the car and the it, the motor's running and it's really loud so the guy who's supposed to be keeping like watch is facing the wrong way <laughs> so yeah. so that then they show like they cut to his team members that are like hiding up in the bushes and they're like what the fuck is he doing and then you know he lifts up the car cuz he's Arnold Schwarzenegger and then he drops it yep. in the dirt and it goes and it goes like straight into the camp and it like explodes and then you're like, oh, these guys are so good that they can think on their feet like that because like, they're such pros, right? Mm-hmm. That's the whole to, – to me, that was like the whole point of that is like showing like how, um, you know, their experience as uh, – the, did, the, uh, did the action sequences in general look familiar? Like the, the angles that they shot them and stuff? Because they, they looked a little bit like some of the old like A-team explosions where like people go flying over and the oh, cameras like yeah. below oh, them and funny. below them and stuff and it makes sense because it was actually the same action team that did that so oh really as the 18 yeah oh that's cool nice. i love the 18 um, i love that show and and another little note this this little camp that they're blowing to bits actually became a a destination in central america people people came to see where predator was shot they came and to, to blow people up for real Yes, they came to this camp. So uh, we're, we are met with with two more things here in the next as they're kind of cleaning up the camp. We there is a little interaction between the CIA guy, uh, mm-hmm. Carl Weathers, and the the other dude I forget his name who stabs a scorpion on his back. Um, uh, Mac. Yeah, Mac. And that's also where we get the second vagina joke of the movie <laughs> from this guy. Be like. Dude, do you want me to put a hand grenade in your footlocker? Like, just go away. <laughs> Guy's so mm-hmm. annoying. Uh, and we, uh, let's see. And I think we also were introduced to the gorilla fighter, the, the female gorilla fighter. Right. Kind of ends up, is a, ends up being a hostage the other way. You know, a prisoner or whatever you want to call her. Um, Let's see. I am okay. So she, uh, they're walking through the woods at this point, and now we're gonna actually get our first, conf- like, visual predator kill where he kills one of like our main characters, not where we don't just see the body. Uh, which I was actually kind of surprised. It was uh, Jesse Ventura died really early. I don't think he was the first kill. Yeah. It was the it was no it was he the, was the, the pussy guy was the first kill. He was the, the pussy guy was the first kill. Right. Mm-hmm. He, uh, Je- he drug him off into the woods. Um. While while he was chasing down the the girl who had gotten away, yeah, the girl basically hit someone with a stick. And as they're kind of figuring that out, Predator kills the guy that was annoying, and then uh, blasts Jesse Ventura. And he's got this like shoulder-mounted cannon. The Predator does, mm-hmm. which uh, pretty intense. It does some yeah. some things. Cuts off arms, blows up heads. They called it his parrot gun. In the because game, it in the... sat on his shoulder and moved independently, and it looked That's like awesome. a parrot. 
Awesome. Oh. And it liked eating and it liked eating crackers. Yes. I didn't know about the parrot gun thing. That's interesting. Cannon want a cracker? <laughs> uh, when they when they realize that someone was shot, they open up like a supreme amount of fire on the woods. They're just shooting everything. Very Vietnam movie esque, you know, just lighting it up. Mini gun is tearing down trees and, it, and everything. It was it was really, uh, I want to say neat, but it was it was super cool to see the mini gun. And I think it was firing blank, so it wasn't actually the mini gun that was doing it. But they really made it look like it was. I, that the mini gun was just mowing down the vegetation, just I, like a like a weed whacker. I totally noticed that scene too. It looked, and I remember it from you know back in the day when I originally saw this. But they do such a good job because there's one shot when it's just Mac, and mm-hmm. like no one else has shown up yet, and he's just got the minigun and he's tearing down the forest, and like the, tr- the he's just like chopping down trees with the bullets from this thing. And there's such a cool shot of him from like behind shooting the gun, and uh, all the vegetation is just like being ripped apart. And he's basically yeah. he's basically clearing this area just by shooting the gun back and forth. It, it looks it looks really really cool. It's very very well done. And then whenever and I, else and I comes, thought it was hilarious that all the guys showed up one at a time and just started firing. Nobody asked any questions. Nobody nobody they just showed up and started firing. Yeah, everyone screaming at least in notes. Stop wasting ammo. But of course I knew what was up. Right. Uh, there is a show on Netflix called uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Hollywood Weapons Fact or Fiction. Have you seen that show at all? No, never mm-hmm. heard of it. Uh, it's where they go and they actually test weapons and scenes from movies. Uh, there is an episode called Terry and the Minigun where they see if they could actually destroy a forest with a minigun with actual Bill Duke, the guy that was uh, doing it. They actually nice. brought him back. Mac. Uh, and it turned and it yep the actor. Uh, yeah. So they, mm-hmm. it aired in 2017. Uh, so I guess it's still on Netflix because I think they produced it. Uh, it turns out you cannot actually do that. Uh, it does if they actually did, they did it with a real minigun. It, it does virtually nothing other than splintering a few wood because the bullets just push the leaves out of the way. Interesting. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. It doesn't. Oh, push the leaves out of the way. Really? Like yeah, unless you hit like the actual hard stuff. It's the stuff is too. It moves like you know wind basically. Huh. Um. So, if you were planning was, on, if was you were the planning forest on... that they did it in as as thick as the jungle that they fired it in in the movie? I I assume so. I'm not sure. I, they usually get as close to possible. That's as long a good as, question. I didn't I didn't actually see it. I just I read about it. Um, I mean it's like MythBusters. They try to match it as closely as possible. Mm-hmm. So, if you were planning on gardening with a mini gun, don't. That's all I'm saying. Boo. Okay. You're such a buzzkill, yeah. Greg. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna go to the mall and see if I could. No, too many people. <laughs> I had some weeds in my front yard. I was gonna take them out. Uh, okay, so let's let's go on here. We uh, you see, uh, you know, so now we're getting our first attacks, and they basically uh, kind of uh, decide to make camp. They set up some traps. Uh, this is where you kind of see the the A-team MacGyver moment where they're, they're protecting themselves. And, you know, uh, at one point Dutch just is realizing when I think one of the bodies gets stolen, he's like, this guy's, uh, yeah, he's using the trees. He's hunting us. 
he's you know this is something different which i I liked that part quite a bit mm-hmm. and he also is realizing that he's not attacking people if they're not if they don't have weapons he's kind of in it for the sport which is kind of interesting because it's not much of a sport if you're fucking invisible and have a laser cannon on your shoulder i'm just saying <laughs> yeah but you kind of got an unfair advantage yeah so if I pick up a pocket knife, you're going to be willing to hunt me with your shoulder blaster cannon. But if I put it down, you won't. But that's fine. You know, it's hunting is the predator's religion. So, uh, There is also one of the first moments where you get to hear, hear Arnold say one of his famous lines. Get to the chopper! Thank you. I was going to count how many times he said it. I know he says it at least twice, but I forgot. And, of course, the other line, if it bleeds, we can kill it. Mm-hmm. So. That's where then, they find that glow-in-the-dark blood. Yep. The glow-in-the-dark lubrication. Yep. Uh, at this point, I was... Uh, yeah, I was all into the traps, and I was slowly starting to remember having seen this movie a bunch of times, because I don't know why I forgot certain parts of it, but... Um, so they, they've determined he's only kills kills, eh, kills if armed. And um, this is also when the Native American guy decides to face off against the Predator on his own, and decides to cut himself first. Yeah. Which I'm, was that to, like, bring him forward? Does he think that the Predator smells blood? I Or was that, like, a... Uh, just a badass like dude thing. It might have been a badass dude thing, but yeah. I I bet the actors were were glad to get rid of him because he was the guy, he was the guy that they had to hire a bodyguard to follow around simply so that he wouldn't assault the other stars. <laughs> I heard about that. He like, he had a habit of uh, of drinking and being nasty and losing his temper and everything like that and attacking people. So they had they had to hire a bodyguard to. Um, to follow him around basically to keep him from having fights with the other with the other cat. There was a story I saw where he was going into like the local dance clubs down to like the city or wherever they were filming and was like biting people on the dance floor. Like you know. So yeah, of course that's uh he goes up there, cuts himself. There's also another get to the choppa. That was the second one. Mm-hmm. Um and you know, the Predator takes out more people and basically leaving Arnold alone. And it's weird because you kind of think of Predator as Arnold versus the Predator. You kind of forget that that's really only the last, like, 20 minutes of the, sh- of the movie. Right. And what happens to the girl for those 20 uh, minutes? True. She's completely gone, and then she shows up at the end. It's like, sir, not appearing in this film. <laughs> yep. I think you're just supposed to forget that she was in the jungle waiting. Yeah, right. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, or Dutch, uh, scuffles, I guess, with the Predator, falls into some water, and he gets he gets muddy. Very very conveniently muddy. Uh, and you talked and this about is this where we learn what, Greg? Uh, that apparently mud can outwit alien technology. Yeah, because with Arnold covered in mud, the Predator can no longer see him. 
which you'd think that eventually the mud would warm up. So, muddy Schwarzenegger. Uh, I remember that time I had a good muddy Schwarzenegger. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Uh, or muddy Dutch. Ugh, muddy Dutch sounds worse. <laughs> oh, my God. Is that like a dirty... Okay, shut up, Omar. Nothing. It's fine. A double muddy Dutch. Oh, my God. I met this girl and everything was going well, and then she pull, then she gave me the old muddy Dutch. <laughs> <laughs> I married that woman. <laughs> <laughs> And then I divorced her. (laughs) Ran out of her apartment screaming. (laughs) Anyway. So Muddy Dutch is up against like a side of the wall. And that's when he's realizing. By the way. (laughs) Realizes. Realizes you can't uh, be seen if you're covered in mud because the predator is like right there. And his this is also after his uh, little stealth system has shorted out. So you can actually see him. I think he even says it. He, I think, you know, great writing. I think Schwarzenegger even says, he can't see me or something. Like, he even says, like, you know, yeah, like he can't see me with the mud or something. Like, just in case you missed it as a viewer, (laughs) I don't know that he said anything. I think he just reached up and wiped the mud off of his shoulder. No, he says, I I remember. No, there's some, there's some narration too. There's some dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. He does. He says something like that. I don't remember the specific wording, but it's like in case you missed it, you know what I mean? Like the mud is covering my. For, this is for why. Reason. Yeah. So, um, so now we have he Schwarzenegger has determined for for sure that it's an alien or some beast. Can't see him in mud, uh, and is you know covered in technology and whatnot. <laughs> um. So he decides. To um, yeah, is that code? He, so he decides that now is his time to you know basically set up that final trap. Um, he also sees the predator's face at some point. Oh well, he doesn't see it yet. So he sets up a bunch of traps, very uh, Return of the Jedi logs and spikes and things along those lines. With the with the soundtrack and, in the background. Yeah, and there's there's fire. Yeah, <laughs> got to be fire to 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 bring him in. <laughs> Um, and he's got like animalistic w- scream. And he's got like at one point there's like the the big like the big thick. It's not like quite a log, but it's like a really thick, maybe like a stick of some kind. And he's got like knives and sharpened sticks taped to it. <laughs> and it's supposed he to like totally swing down. This yeah. thing. <laughs> I did. I actually wrote the same thing. He totally. I for, not for this part when they first did that. I wrote down their home aloning, home aloning it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So Schwarzenegger's, you know, like they—they they of course showed him as being this smart warrior, but like he made a lot of assumptions. Like, yeah, could have maybe it wasn't the mud. Maybe it was just maybe that was like where the predator had been like crapping. He's like that dude was in my poop pit. I'm not going to kill him right now. <laughs> I I need that pelt to be clean. <laughs> and that dude was just slathering around in my latrine. I don't want to touch that. That's gross. <laughs> I'm just yeah. going to pretend. I'm just going to pretend like I don't see him. And I'll take care of this later. <laughs> it, could, it could be that. We don't know. Um, we, uh, so Predator, there's the big fight. They're battling. Predator is like, oh, this guy's a worthy adversary, which led to a lot more like lore about the Predator, like in comic books and stuff like that, where they were like sent off to these planets and in the later movies and stuff, which I really liked. Because a lot of times, some of these like things that they didn't think, you know, the Predator who came out, it sucked. 
and it didn't make that much money. This one made a ton of money. So they pushed it to, like, comic books. And there was, like, all these, like, stories, like Predator vs. Batman and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just like the lore of, like, the, the lone warrior, the, the worthy fighter, that kind of thing. So there's that. Uh, you do see the Predator's face. And can we just say how great that costume looks? We did earlier, but I'm going to say it, it again. It, it, really, it really does. And the, the face was they they had they actually designed a couple of heads for it. They had one head that just had an open center and that was the one that they had the mask over top of. Um then there was a a solid head for for shots where they didn't need the face to move, but then they had an anim, an animated face that that moved and the mandibles uh you know raised and lowered and it had expressions and whatnot. And that was used for like close ups. But anytime there was a head on the on the uh, body, the guy inside the suit couldn't see. Kevin Peter Hall couldn't see because the the suit was actually what eight and a half feet tall, and he was only seven two. Yeah. Now, did we actually? I didn't. I don't remember because of the various technical issues that I was trying to fix. Did we talk about the original actor and the original suit and all that stuff? We did not. Okay. Go ahead. And this this could be a good time to do it because. I don't believe that the original actor playing this role would have been near as impressive as the seven foot two Kevin Peter Hall. I think he just lent a more impressive stature and a more imposing figure than the original actor, who was in fact Jean Claude Van Damme. He was the original person cast to play the Predator, but after multiple complaints and whining about the suit being too heavy and too cumbersome and he couldn't really move in it, they finally just let him. I also saw that he, um, one of the reasons he wasn't into the suit is because it, he didn't it, get it, any face time. Exactly. It hit his face. He, he didn't get the, the, uh, recognition that he was looking for. There's, there was also stories. I, I saw a few making of documentaries. There were stories that he also wanted the predator to fight with kickboxing moves and was constantly trying to instill kickboxing into predator attacks and whatnot and like you know, just all the time zero percent mm-hmm. surprised and they were the director or whoever it was producer i guess was like no stop and then he was like no i can do this and the, <laughs> it's like you're you're fired get out of here and i believe i don't know if this is true or not but i did see it um that he said to the the guy uh lick my balls and walked out and left the set mm. That's so ridiculous. Come on, man. Excellent. So it's it, whether or not it's true, it was true. It is true now. It, <laughs> it, it will be true for this podcast. You're literally yeah. playing an alien. I don't think they have kickboxing on wherever the hell you're from. It's or just, balls, for that matter. <laughs> or ball. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. No, that's ridiculous. But, but, but yes, I th- believe it was actually a good change. Because, um, like I said... The, just standing at seven foot two really made him much more of an imposing figure. Yeah, uh, the actor that played the Predator, which you mentioned, was Kevin Peter Hall. Mm-hmm. Uh, he died about four years later of HIV um, from a, a blood transfu- a blood transfusion. Mm-hmm. That was pretty, you know, back then it was pretty much a death sentence. Uh, went to the high school that would have been my rival high school had I not moved out of Pittsburgh. He was from Penn Hills, uh, Pennsylvania, which is a suburb of Monroeville. Uh, not mm-hmm. two, not very big cities. But um, Penn Hills High School, I looked at their, I just looked at their notable alumni, and 
that team must be very good at the football because they had like at least 15 people that played in the NFL, some of whom I had heard their names, one of which is Aaron Donald, um, hmm. one of the scariest defensive linemen ever, not to mention this guy. So kind of impressive, and a lot of coaches and basketball players and, and uh, things like that. What the so. hell's going on over there? Something in the water. Possibly. It was not in the water I was drinking. <laughs> um, I don't know. You're pretty imposing. Well, because you moved out of there. Yeah, true. Yeah. Oh, that's fair. They moved don't feed that water to you until you reach high school. Moved out of there one year later, actually, when, from when this movie came out. Oh, interesting. Uh, okay, so big fight. Arnold Schwarzenegger screaming, kill me, kill me. But he's doing it, of course, to lure the Predator closer to un- to drop his trap, which is, I believe, is that big spike with, like, knives taped to it or nailed through it or spikes mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, but the Predator is no dummy. Yeah, Predator goes a different direction, and he ends up getting squished by a log. Um, that was, you know, kind of the, I believe it was the counterweight for this, the thing, the trap he had set up. And, uh... As he's in his death throes, he sets up his little uh, explosive device, the yeah, self-destruct thing, with the really cool uh, digital counter, which was like all alien, whatever. But you could still tell it looked like an alarm clock, like the red little like mm-hmm. hexagonal shaped things. But I always thought that was cool growing up. And of course, it blows up. Schwarzenegger gets away. Small nuclear explosion. <laughs> makes me doubt that it makes me doubt that Schwarzenegger would get away um, and the movie is over that is Predator uh, good stuff nothing small about you know, a nuclear it's, explosion no you know th- this movie is all about dudes and jocularity and stuff like that and <laughs> it's and you know it's funny because I hate that stuff. Like I, I've I always think about the fact that I'm just a bad dude, like as in not being good, not good at being one. <laughs> because like I go to parties and stuff, and all the guys are talking about like scotch, and gambling, and cars, and I'm like, I'm gonna go hang out in the kitchen. <laughs> the wives are, are talking about way more interesting things to me. <laughs> or like. I'll just oh look like I'll sit on the floor and play with the dogs because I'm just I'm just bad at being a dude and like you see that stuff where it's like right in your face where it's like chewing on cigars and pussy jokes and right. this and that and and the movie makes it all enjoyable so that's this is and hand handshakes that turn into arm wrestling matches yeah talking about you're working out on your pecs and just man things ah. <laughs> Well, you you weren't the only one that this movie worked for because this film actually had the second biggest opening weekend of 1987. The number one film, of course, was Beverly Hills Cop 2, and I think that was actually just the week before. So, Because Beverly Hills Cop, I think, had only been out like one or two weeks by the time this movie came. So had we actually thought of this Summer of 87 thing last week, we would have watched that instead of Hard Ticket to Hawaii. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. (laughs) I'm sorry. That's a hard no. No. Uh, like you just aimed it right at Omar. No, no, no. no. You, you aimed that mini gun right there. <laughs> you that movie um, had to. But um, <laughs> it, also going with the whole box office theme, the uh, the top ten movies actually the weekend that this came out, Predator opened this week at number one. Number two was Witches of Eastwick. Number three was Beverly Hills Cop Two. 
Number four was Untouchables, another excellent movie. Uh, five was Believers. Six was Harry and the Hendersons, actually. Seven was Dude, Ernest wait, Goes hold to on. Camp. Why is, why is Harry and the Hendersons interesting to this? Well, who, why who is Harry? Harry? You know who plays Harry? Is it Kevin Peter Hall? Yes, it was. Excellent. Yep. They yeah, should have done a cross. Had he not died, they would have done a crossover. Harry versus the Predator. I would have been there. <laughs> Goddamn right, I would have seen that movie. That would have been number an seven was Ernest up. Goes to Camp. Number eight was Secret of My Success. Number nine was Platoon, and number ten was Million Dollar Mystery. I don't remember that movie. What is that? I have no idea. I don't remember that one. I don't it's remember that one or or Believers at number five. I don't remember that one, but the rest of them. Yeah. Seen them all. Do we know? Um, did we get any history for that week? I did not. Okay. No. I did, I however. Either. I did, however, get something that I'm sure both of you will know. Oh. And that is the Billboard Top Ten for this. Okay. In 1987. Yes, please. Number ten, just to see her. Smokey Robinson. Number nine, a song that we've already talked about, Inside A, With or with Without, or without you. you. Yep. Number eight was Diamonds by Herb Alpert. Number seven, another karaoke staple, Wanted Dead or Alive. Number six, Lady in Red hmm. by Krista Berg. Number five was Whitney Houston with I Want to Dance with Somebody. I, I totally get weepy for Lady in Red. Great song. I'll admit it. Great song. Yeah. What about In Too Deep by Genesis? Also a good song. That was at number four. Head to Toe, Lisa Lisa and Cult Jam was number three. That's what I seem to grab. You Keep night. Me Hanging On by Kim Wilde was number two. And the number one song on the Billboard Top 10 this week of 1987 was Always. It's freaking crazy that the in the top ten pop music charts there could be a damn trumpeter, Herb Albert. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. That ain't happening from like nineteen ninety three on. No, I would say ninety one. Yeah, ninety one. It was actually when SoundScan happened. <clears throat> oh, that's right. And then shit got way more. SoundScan, yeah. where? Yeah. When you got which one was tri- the trumpeter? Herb Albert. Herb Albert. Oh. Uh, while we were doing all that music stuff, I was able to find out the history of the Friday that this movie came out. This was uh, June 12th. Now, we are a little bit early on this, or a little bit late on this real time, but we're going to catch up. So, Bernie Getz. You might know that name, right? Uh, we didn't start only, the fire? Only because we didn't start the fire, yeah. Yeah, we, we didn't start the fire, also known as uh, Alex's favorite song. Um, looking <laughs> forward to his 2021 remix of that. Uh, he was really honestly kind of just a nerdy Jewish dude that shot four kids on a subway car. Um, I don't know the entirety of the story, but there was either a mugging or there wasn't. But he, uh, the prosecution... Uh, on this date actually kind of made their final case. Uh, he did end up being fi- found innocent of that, except for he was guilty for uh, illegal firearm and he served a year 
Uh, Jim Baker, which we talked about a couple weeks ago, he did vow that he would return to TV after all of his scandals. Uh, Margaret Thatcher on this date won her third term. Uh, it was the, uh, I think the first prime minister ever do so, and she, but she did lose 100 seats from her first term to her uh, third term, so it was very, very close. Did she misplace them? Yes, she could not find she... them anymore. <laughs> did she... That's a lot of seats to That's lose. huge. Yeah. Like she barely made it. It's probably just like a warehouse or something that the janitor didn't find, didn't have the keys for it anymore. Wow. Or, you know, whatever. Yeah. But anyway, uh, also Panama started curbing rights of people um, after a top general accused uh, Noriega of murder and electoral fraud. Now that, of course, did end up being something much later, but this was kind of the first inkling that this little old known Panamanian general was up to no good. Do you remember when uh, you know, uh, Pan- uh, Noriega went to the Swiss embassy and we were blasting like Megadeth and stuff all night to try to get him out? To, yes. <laughs> and like uh, uh, spotlights yep. into the embassy to like not to let him sleep until he, yeah. I, if I recall correctly, yeah, that but didn't I, work. Oh, I totally remember that. <laughs> There's a little skid row for you, buddy, at 3 a.m. <laughs> that was funny that was crazy the symphony of destruction yeah. symphony of destruction that was way before was symphony this is like peace sells but who's buying <laughs> that's so funny yeah so that leads us to our top five question as asked by rob and our question this week is because the movie that we watched did in fact have an actor who was replaced mid-production. We want to know who are your top five actor or ac- actors or actresses who have been replaced in the middle of production. Interesting. That's a great question. And if you heard the teaser trailer earlier, I'm about to be replaced by a helper monkey. You, in fact, are about to be replaced <laughs> by a helper monkey. Uh, so let's, uh, we just talked about him. Let's, let's start off with our, uh, patron of unusual size. I haven't heard his list yet, but it's going to be a good one. Usually is. Hey, give me five podcasts. It's Alec. Uh, before I get into my top five list, I just want to say I'm jealous that you guys are going to spend however much time you're spending discussing Predator. It's an awesome movie and, uh, hope you enjoy all the great Arnold quotes and, uh, Krills. Okay. Um, for the top five actors uh, who are replaced by another actor mid-production, obviously inspired by Van Damme being replaced by Kevin Holland, Predator. Um, first, I'm going to do a bonus, and my bonus is something that didn't happen mid-production, so that's why it's not fully on the list. It's the fact that Beverly Hills Cop was meant to star Sylvester Stallone, but he had too many ideas on where the script should go. He didn't want it to be a comedy, and so he was replaced by Eddie Murphy. Obviously, that worked out a lot better for Murphy. Uh, unless, you know, you're somebody who prefers Covert or Beverly Hills Cop, which I do not. Anyway, that's one. The other bonus I want to do is Aliens. I originally had James Remar set to play the character that was then played by Michael Bean. I think his name was Hicks in the movie, Corporal Hicks. So that's uh, kind of crazy because James Remar is always a bad guy. So it would have been interesting to see him if he could have changed his career a little bit had he gotten that role. Anyway, uh, number five uh, in Panic Room, Nicole Kidman actually was, the original star of that movie, she got hurt, I think, 18 days or so into filming, replaced by Jodie Foster. Number four is something I didn't know before today, and that Dennis Hopper was originally supposed to be in the Truman Show, and they actually filmed, and I guess he couldn't remember his lines, he wasn't doing so well. So he was replaced with Ed Harris, who got nominated for an Oscar, so that worked out for him. 
Number three is also something I didn't know until I did research today. That's that demolition man, Lori Petty, was supposed to be in the movie, but didn't get along with Stallone, and or there might have been some other things going on on the set with her. But at any rate, she did not make it to the end of that, and so they ended up hiring Sandra Bullock. And Speed's obviously the movie that made her, but I don't I don't know that Demolition Man uh, didn't help lead to her getting the role in Speed. Number two, uh, this is probably one that's on everybody's list, and that's Stuart Townsend being replaced by Viggo Mortensen in the Lord of the Rings movies. Um, I'm not as huge into those movies as, as the biggest fans are, but those are great movies, and I can't imagine you know anybody else playing that character but him. And then the number one is probably most of our number ones, and that is the Back to the Future switch. With Eric Stoltz initially in the movie, they didn't think he was doing so well. He got fired. And they got Michael J. Fox, which you know, obviously was huge for his career and huge for that movie. So that's my top five. What I saw in the research is there are a ton of these out there, so I can't wait to hear everybody else's. Thanks. Bye. An excellent list as usual. Yes. Very good choices. I really feel that Sylvester Stallone might just be the problem that all movie switches really come down to. Mm. A lot of mention of Sylvester Stallone. Um, I guess I can go. Go for it. Uh, some of these were mentioned, but not all of them. Uh, let's see. I'm going to start off with the uh, Michael Bean replacing James Remar, of course, in Aliens, which we just heard. Mm-hmm. The story behind that was crazy, and I think it was you that said it earlier, yeah. Rob. So yeah, I'll let you gonna... say that again if you're going to bring that up again, because it needs on to my be list, told. Yes. Yeah. Uh, number four, Annette Benning was supposed to be in Batman Returns as Catwoman and was replaced with Michelle Pfeiffer. Yep. Because she was because she got pregnant. I could not see Annette Benning as Catwoman. I do understand well, why they didn't want to squish a pregnant woman into that cat suit though. Right. Right. And that it, would it's not have weird worked. because a lot of a lot of these roles that I'm that I've seen like through the research have all been like iconic roles and it's like, wow, I Yeah. And I couldn't and imagine also, the other person as that character. And they've also been roles that when you see the casting and the role, you're like, yeah, that works. Next. Like, you don't, they're never like, wow, that's a weird casting. Like, it just works right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's uh, number three. Uh, Sylvester Stallone, of course. Beverly Hills Cop, taken over by Eddie Murphy. So we can go past that one. My number two is actually the Eric Stoltz switch to Marty McFly mm, or to really? uh, Michael J. Fox. Um, because one of the f- big famous ones was Buddy Epson. Yep. Uh, being replaced by Jack Hanley, who I don't even know, but Jack obviously. Haley. Jack Haley? Yeah, I think okay. it's Haley. Uh, well, the article I found said Hanley. Oh. Because I Maybe copied I'm it wrong. directly. But uh, because Buddy Epson was allergic to the aluminum powder in the dye, he was supposed to be the Tin Man Correct. in the Wizard of Oz. In his in his face makeup, he had he yeah. had an allergic reaction and was hospitalized for a couple of weeks, I think. Actually. Yeah. So this is so it was supposed to be Buddy Epson, of course. Uh, Beverly Hills Billies went on to do the Beverly Hills Billies. So that was a uh, big switch. Now it wasn't so big for the career, but just because I think because it was so long ago and it was one of the biggest movies of all time, and is considered one of the top one hundred movies. That's how it kind of nudged its way to the top. That's what I got. What do you guys have? It is Jack Haley. It is Jack Haley? Oh. Mm-hmm. I will cut some random person who wrote some article that I didn't <laughs> quote. 
but did copy directly from. I do have I do have another list from a listener. Oh, Ooh, please. And that is Mr. Jubal's. Oh, okay. Him we like. Well, okay. one of his jobs was he actually replaced uh, the the girl from Showgirls. <laughs> he did, in fact. He's hot. Even funnier if I remember her name right off the bat. <laughs> Elizabeth Berkeley. <laughs> anyway, Jubal's top five actors replaced mid-production are number five, Stuart Townsend, replaced by Viggo Mortensen in Lord of the Rings. Number four is Eric Stoltz, replaced by Michael J. Fox in Back to the Future. Man, that's really low on the list. Number three was Dennis Hopper, who was replaced by Ed Harris from The Truman Show. His number two was Doug Ray Scott, replaced by Hugh Jackman in The X-Men. But his number one is James Purefoy, replaced by Hugo Weaving in V for Vendetta. So... um... My number five, mine are in no particular order because you know every time we do a top five, I have like 20 that I want to do and I just have to like pick. <laughs> we really should have asked about that in the interview. Yeah. <laughs> can you count to five? definitive lists? My problem is I can't stop at five. But here's my five. Um, my number five was uh, James Purefoy uh, and Hugo Weaving for V for Vendetta. And what I read was that James Purefoy couldn't emote with the mask on. He felt like he couldn't emote properly and, and like be that character. But I love that movie. I think that's such a great movie, so I had to throw that in there. Um, another one that I really love mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. Um, Harvey Keitel was originally supposed to yep. be in Apocalypse Now. Um, he was. And he got replaced by Martin Sheen. Because he wasn't quite good enough, he didn't. He just couldn't pull off the character. And Martin Sheen killed. They, him. they just weren't happy, yeah, with the way with the way he was performing it. Exactly. It I always think something. of, I always think of Harvey Keitel as such a late blooming actor, just because he was well, already kind of old when I learned who he was. Mar- Martin Sheen but... was their first choice, but he was tied up in another project, so they hired Harvey Keitel, and they just weren't happy with it so they filmed for a couple of weeks and then martin sheen became available he finished what he was working on so they extended him an invitation because they just weren't happy with what they had so far which is interesting because harvey Keitel was good i mean he was in taxi driver before that like he was he's it's not like he wasn't a good actor it just wasn't the role for him really martin sheen nearly killed himself (laughs) getting drunk and punching mirrors (laughs) to play that role like he really did a great job um I also have the Sylvester Stallone being replaced by Eddie Murphy in Beverly Hills Cop because that just, I can't, I know we've talked about it. That's not going to work. Um, Wolverine, originally Dugray Scott, and then, and then production on mm-hmm. Mission Impossible went long, so Hugh Jackman jumped in. Um, originally, I had the Predator with... In his career kind of petered out. Exactly. Um, and Dugray Scott was a good actor. Like he could, he could make it happen. I had the Van Damme and the Predator thing, but since that was, I knew that would be done. My number one, because this to me, I think to any one of our our generation, so I guess not Jubal's because he's like twelve, um, <laughs> is Eric Stoltz. <laughs> Eric Stoltz being replaced by Michael J. Fox in uh, Back to the Future. That would have been a very different movie. Yeah, I an iconic role. 
such an iconic role. And there's no way that... I don't know. Just... I, I guess there's... I don't know. I guess there's no I don't, way to really... I don't really feel that you can talk about 80s cinema and not mention Back to the Future. And and Michael J. Fox, exactly. Um, there's a really... Do you remember, I don't know if you guys ever watched that show Fringe. Um, yes. There's a really... That was a great show. There's a cool scene where they go into like, you know, Other Earth or whatever they called it. And they show a billboard. They show a... Um, not a billboard. Um, like a... Um, they show a movie theater and it says Back to the Future starring Eric Stoltz on it instead of Michael J. Fox. Because like the I remember you know, that actually. Yeah. That was really like cool. The evil version of Earth. Yeah, yeah exactly. It was Earth it was just different. Like yeah, yeah. Exactly. And like the Twin Towers are still there and stuff. Like but I still remember the mm-hmm. Michael J. Fox thing. That like blew me away. I thought that was really hilarious. I mean the um, Eric Stoltz thing. Yeah. But so that's my top mm-hmm. five. It's not as good as the ones that I've heard so far, but you know. I'm learning. You'll get it. You at least got to five. So. Yeah. You, you've got it pared down to five. Now this... we just need to work on having you get it in order. Yeah. Whatever. It's never going to happen. <laughs> I think that's going to be a long-running shtick. Okay. Last one. You're a hot mess. All right. My list. At number five, I've got the movie from tonight, Jean-Claude Van Damme being replaced by Kevin Peter Hall. That was such a well-thought-out switch, and the... The change to the seven foot two actor from the five foot nine Jean Claude Van Damme actually made a very big difference. You know, forgive the pun, in the character of the Predator. I mean, I I don't feel that the Predator would have been near as imposing had he been shorter than Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, would you agree? Jean Claude Van Damme. Rob just called you short. <laughs> he did. Well, he made fun of you. I'm the same height, so height. I think Rob wants to fight you, Jean-Claude Van Damme. He's a listener. Yeah. He, he was one of those on. listeners. And actually, we did have, a, we were number like 10 in Belgium once. Hell yeah. He is yeah. listening. Yeah. They were all him, too. He downloaded like all of them <laughs> and listened. Yeah. I know that's what happened. Superb. My, my number four is a classic, and it's already been mentioned, but that's Buddy Ebsen being replaced by Jack Haley for The Wizard of Oz as the Tin Man. Um, like we said, he did have an allergic reaction to it, to the aluminum dust in his makeup. And they actually, after that, they switched, I believe they switched to the makeup that was being used so that they didn't have that problem again. So that's my number four. At number three, I've got James Remar being replaced by Michael, Michael Bean. Um, and we ta- we said that we would go over that story. One of the, one of the issues that they had with James Remar is that it, this was a period in James's life where he was having a lot of substance issues, I guess. And he was drunk a lot on set. And at one point he had a shotgun during filming loaded with live rounds. And he actually blew a hole in one of the sets and it went through into another sound studio and damaged the set in another movie. And that was uh, Little Shop of Horrors. So shortly after that incident, I don't believe it was very long after that incident that he was replaced. They brought in Michael Bean and nobody said shit about it. They just, th- one day he was gone and Michael Bean was there and nobody, and nothing was ever said about it. That's that's how it was reported as by the, uh, by the cast members. It was just like this... <laughs> middle of the night switch thing so probably for the best 
Yeah. We yeah. We just and, made uh, the problem go away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> At number two, I've got one. I know that I know that Alec had said it was it was done before production, but Stallone was actually the first person picked and they were going over the script and they were going over things and he was trying he was trying to make changes. He wanted to do a comedy, but he kept changing it to be an action. And they were like, "No, this isn't going to work. This isn't going to work. This isn't going to work." And, you know, after working with him on this on this project for a couple of weeks, they finally just scrapped it and said, "Screw it, let's get Eddie Murphy." So they hired Eddie Murphy and that was a a plus casting choice replacement because Stallone in that movie, I don't believe would have worked. Um, yeah, probably. So not. that's my number two, but my number one is the big one from the eighties, and that's Eric Stoltz being replaced by Michael J. Fox. Yeah, I think that one became way more, like I don't think a lot of people knew that right away until. Um, maybe the DVD or VHS box sets came out because they have some of the screen tests available. And it's just, yeah. it is a, it is a different tone. It, it, it really is. And you can, and they were saying, they said that it was weird because it wasn't that they didn't like what they got from Eric Stoltz. They said he was a great actor and he was doing what they asked of him. But Michael J. Fox just had that extra little something and they said that his scenes hit so much better he was he had much better i want to i want to say comedic timing but that's not really what i'm looking for that it he just had the 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 stage presence for the character that they were looking for and eric stoltz just he just it it Something was just off. They said it wasn't bad, but something was just off. And then when they brought in Michael J. Fox, it was like, this is it. Michael J. Fox has like a youthful innocence, but also like a, uh, I don't want to say sneaky side, but like a mischievous kind of thing to him. Mm-hmm. And he's, it's, you know, ironic. Oops. I just, I just dropped a Lego, uh, uh, what are they called? The little, the bad guys from Doctor Who. <laughs> on the, mm. uh, exterminate were... one of those. As you guys were saying and, that, I could see I could have seen back in the day Michael J. Fox playing Morty, like in a Rick and Morty live action movie. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he totally could have. Yeah, well, and, that's what they're based on. And the the scene that I've the scene that I've always seen as far as Eric Stoltz and Michael J. Fox goes is the one where he's in the diner in the fifties and he sits down next to his father, George McFly. And when he realizes who he is, the camera kind of pans around George McFly and you see and you you know that image of Michael J. Fox with that with that worried slash surprise slash oh my god look on his face. Mm-hmm. It is ten times better than the face on Eric Stoltz, which is still a surprise slash oh my god face, but Michael J. Fox just had so much more facial expression. He just pulls and, it off, yeah. And just delivered it so much better that that it. I mean, nobody even looked back after they replaced him. So that that takes us out of here. The first, it does. The first uh, summer of '87 week, and uh, you know, it's it was fun. We're we actually did a good movie for once. Yeah, <laughs> a great um, movie. 
because Summer of 87 was good. And I, I, and I actually good... enjoyed talking about it. Do we want to say and what I the next there's... Summer of 87 movie is? Or do we we know? can, but I don't remember what it is. So I'm hoping someone else knows. Uh, Bonfire no, of it's Vanities? for our patrons. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, our patrons get to find out. Yeah, if you're a patron, you get to find out. Otherwise, you have to go like do research and look it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, so speaking of patrons, it's just $5 to be a patron. Uh, you get a chance to be part of our chat. You get a chance to put in your own list. You get a chance to do get special episodes, which we uh, still need to record for June, by the way. Um, and uh, otherwise, if you want to contact us, and give me five podcasts. And forget the birthday episode, like what we just did. You get one. Oh, of we just two. yeah, yeah. We just had a we had a couple birthday episodes. Like all, all y'all moms was getting crazy back in nine months ago because there's a lot of <laughs> June birthdays this year. Mm-hmm. Um. And, uh, let's see, uh, if you want to contact us, you can, uh, email us at gimme5podcast at gmail.com, or you can look us up on Twitter or Instagram, give me 5 pod If you, uh, are looking to see what the Predator would have looked like with Jean-Claude Van Damme, I put a picture of him in that costume, or half in that costume, and a picture of what that costume looks like on our Instagram. And it's been fairly popular, so. Anyway, thank you for listening. Thank you, guys. And remember, we want you to give us five. To a time we're winners in the end. Better than throwing mud. I just... <laughs> is it, though? Um, Throwing some mud in my day. <laughs> go ahead and get rid of that. Uh, Usually after a visit to a Brazilian steakhouse. We realized that... Uh, <laughs> I had to look it up. I didn't actually pull that out of my head. <laughs> I assure you. That's why I was a little bit late on the Lady in Red thing, because I was typing Herb Albert into a thing, because I knew that he played some instrument that wasn't, like, you know, normal. Um, yeah, I said it. I made fun of trumpeters. What are you going to do? Huh? Throw a spit valve at me? Bring it. Do we have any trumpeters that listen to our podcast? <laughs>